Period three of On the Bench with Beaks coverage for Dog Bowl 11 starts out with a great interview with Warrior Avs president and player Jerry Duvall. And welcome back to the On the Bench with Beaks coverage of Dog Bowl 11. Yes, the Dog Nation Hockey Foundation Hockey Tournament held at the very own Edge Ice Arena in Foothills, Colorado. Baby, baby, baby. Yes, we are here and we're having so much fun talking to so many great hockey minds. I am your host, Cody Beekman. And with me, as always, is Ross Mormeyer. What's up, guys? And we've got Bryce McMillan. Hey. What's up? Hello. Today we've caught a big fish in the uh, sled hockey community. We have the president of the Warrior Avs and a player as well, Jerry Duvall. Jerry, say what's up. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, on. listeners, how y'all doing? So today we're gonna we're gonna talk about your story, man. Um, uh, you know that's that's the one thing that I love about Dog Nation is um, no matter what, uh, they, everybody's got a great story to talk to, talk about. And we were just having a chat outside drinking a beer together so um, let's get right into it man um, tell us a little bit about you a little bit how you know you got hooked up with sled hockey and hockey in general and just throw it down for us bud alright man yeah so um, my name is Jerry Duvall I served eight years in the United States Army three three tours uh, two to Iraq one to Afghanistan tw- uh, 36 months total in combat tour um, you know just so with all that just lived a little bit of life you know for a little while and uh, I got out of the military but I stayed the reserves and um, you know I, I was unemployed for I think it was like um, I want to say 10 days and I was super bored and I was like man I'm gonna find a job so I just went to this coal mine they're hiring like $35 an hour so I was like um, I gotta get on you know oh yeah get, you're, get your money dude yeah <laughs> so I start, I start working in this place you know and I'm I think I'm 18 days on the job, the 10th day underground. We're, we're uh, 200 yards in the actual coal mine itself. And what I was doing is I was uh, running a jack leg. And a jack leg basically is an 18 foot drill bit that goes eight feet in the air, you know, on a, it's all on hydraulic and water and all that stuff. So the, what we're supposed to do is drill out 24 holes and then we take the 18 foot stick of dynamite and blow up the wall. Well, on on this day, I had my uh, co-worker with me, and he was supposed to be watching. It's called the crow's foot, and what it does is it digs in the mud and basically just supports the the RPMs and all that stuff of this this heavy jack leg. Yeah. And um, the guy disappeared for a little while. Well, I just continued to work. You know, I'm kind of a workhorse. I like to get stuff done and move on to the next job, you know. And so that's kind of what we were doing. We were really working, busting my ass. And I was on the 13th hole. It was weird. 13th hole, I see this guy coming back down the mine. And he's in a mine scoop. And basically what it is, just a big front-end loader. 14-foot okay. wide bucket, right? Right. We're in this dark, dark. All you have are these little headlamps up on your head, and then the the light of the actual uh, mine scoop. Well, what happened is he comes down, and I see him about 50, 50 yards away from me. So I stop him with my headlamp. He gets out, and I could tell right now that he went up and probably snorted his pills that he 
Because he told me the week before that he was a heroin junkie. Oh, God. And that if he did not snort his Oxycontin Oxycodone, that he would basically have seizures and go into these withdrawals, and he needed it to actually function throughout the day. So... We were gonna go wow. get we were gonna go get him rehab through HR the day before, but it was my she was my girlfriend at the time. We we're it was her birthday. Okay. It was October fourteenth. It was her birthday. Okay. So I decided to take her out to dinner instead of getting him help, and I busted my ass so I could get off early. So I did all this extra work and stuff. So they let me off early, anyways. So I go hang out with my girlfriend at the time, go eat, do all this stuff, you know. And then the next morning, I get up at three in the morning, head off to work. It's about. Eight in the morning, we start jacklegging, and uh, you know, he hits me around 8:30 ish. So, anyways, as soon as he hits me, it was so weird because he had just got out of the machine, came and talked to me, and as as we're talking, I could tell he was high as a kite. And I'm like, oh man, I told him just watch this jackleg, leave the machine. We're good. As soon as I drill these last holes, we'll throw this jack leg in and we'll get this machine out of here and we'll blow this wall up, you know? And that was the plan. So he was all on board and um, basically I start drilling again and then all of a sudden I'm, I'm like out cold and I wake up and I'm on my back. I'm like, oh, something's wrong. Because it feels like someone's pouring hot water on my legs and we're working in this cold ass mine. I mean, there's a lot of cold water, there's piss shit. Uh, I mean, they have everything in this water because you're so right. far down in. I mean, when you have to do shit, you just do it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm laying in this water and I'm, I'm like, man, something's not right. So I start looking for my headlamp. I reach up, I grab it, set it here on my chest. And I bend my right leg. As soon as I bend my right leg, I was like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. I see six inches of bone. I mean, this thing is just sticking out. I see muscles, tendons, ligaments, and I could see my heart beating through it. It was the craziest thing ever. Just oh You could just Lord. see the, the way the blood's pulsating out of my leg, and I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. I'm like, I am fucked, right? And I started telling myself, this is far from your heart. You could survive this. You can't be a little bitch down here. You got to man up. You got to suck it up. No victim mentality right now. If you want to survive this, you just got to think of your family that's at home. You and know, that's and kind of like the army aspect coming into it and everything like that. Never oh. give up, never surrender in a sense. Oh, yeah, all day. You know, you just keep that mentality, you know. And at this time... After I realized, you know, what had happened, the severity of the injuries, I just start trying to get this guy's attention. Finally get his attention. He backs me up. As he backs me up, he stops the machine, like, right where I stopped him originally the first time. He gets out, and he's like, oh, fuck, I'm so sorry. I fucked up your life. I'm like, go get me help, or I'm going to die, bro. Just go get help right now. Like, so he started running. He starts running. This machine starts to roll again, and my left leg is partially attached, and it's under this the front of the bucket and it's like pulling it out so basically what I do is I dig through the mud I find my bootlaces and I try to pull but every time I'm pulling up I mean blood is just like you know a Quentin Tarantino movie is just gory and bloody right well yeah. this is exactly what it's like I mean blood is just hitting this bucket and I'm just expelling all this energy and I'm like fuck I'm fucked I right right here I'm like there's no way I'm surviving this like, honestly there's no way I'm surviving this shit so then I just start continuing to, to to like keep this foot from being ripped off and all of a sudden I realize I'm getting close to this wall again I'm about to lose my hands if I leave them or, or trap them you know that's gonna the worst thing I could do so I release this and I come back to applying pressure and I hit for a second time and I mean the impact 
because it was so slow. It wasn't like, I don't know the first time. I don't remember the first time. But the second time I hit, it was so slow and just like, I just could see it coming and there was nothing I could do. I'm so helpless at this time. And I hit, and as soon as I hit, I'm like, I screamed as loud as I could, and I just punched this fucking bucket. Because, I mean, I don't know what else to do at this point. I mean, it hurt so bad. I mean, it was the worst thing ever. I'm like, oh, my God. I, I don't know how I didn't pass out from the pain alone, you know? And then from that point on, I just basically, that's when I really realized how much trouble I was in. And I just start praying, you know, asking God, if you spare my life, I'm talking to my grandma, my grandpa, my aunt, and just telling them, you know, please, if you spare my life, I will show people that I'm not living with a disability, that there's just a new chapter of life that I have to understand. Like, I understand that you, you seen I conquered everything that you put in front of me when I had legs. Now it's time for me to understand that I have to conquer life in a new aspect and show people that just because something awful has happened to you, you know, and all this, like, I've had, I had so much time to honestly sit there and just, like, I, I don't, like, an hour and 45 minutes is just so long without help, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm just laying there, and I have this stupid-ass pocket watch. I'm like, oh, this is my best friend right here. Fuck, no, it ain't. This little motherfucker's working against me right now. Yeah. The, the longer I'm down here, the harder it's getting. Like, my blinks are getting so long, like... They're starting to sound like shutters and shit. I could hear, like, it's crazy how in tune my body started to become, you know, as the longer I laid there. And then, you know, I think it's when the first guy gets to me that he, I think he honestly saves my life because when he gets to me, the, the look in his eyes, like, I'm, like, a man was just, the man was just terrified, so freaked out. Oh, fuck, he's dead. He's going to die on us. And I'm like, no, I'm not, bro. I just spent the last hour and 45 minutes fighting. We, I'm not going to die down here. You need to. You're going to get me out yeah, of here. I'm literally I, counting down the seconds. Yeah, I'm watching them as they click by. Did I say by. that to you? Like, did you quote, unquote, say those things to you? Or is that going through your mind? No, he turned. So he looks at me. He gets to me. And he's, like, right above me. And he's, like, pale, pale white. And he turns around to the, the lead guy. And he's like, oh, Fuck, he's gonna die. He's about dead. And I was like, no, I'm not. I got a lot of fight left in me. Like, I'm far from dying. Like, honestly, now you need to get tourniquets. I told him, you need to get tourniquets on me. That's how we're gonna save my life. If you wanna save my life, we gotta get tourniquets. Say, look, we don't have an aid bag. I'm like, well, this dude wears ratchet straps. You take him off him, there's a wrench right over here. I'll teach you how to make tourniquets. Did, did that happen? Did you teach him how to do that? I had to, I had to walk him through all the steps. It was crazy because all wow. the chaos that was going on around me, I was the only, like, I don't know, God gave me the strength to stay calm, you know what I mean? And really just, like, I, I don't know. It was the weirdest thing ever because I I never you're left. Just as crazy as you are in that situation, you're you're punctual. There's time to be done. Like you're punctual. I yeah. had this shit done. But also you're just like, dude. If you think this is gonna happen to me, I think differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> like for sure. That is just the best mentality I think. It's honestly crazy situation I've ever heard of. First and foremost, but the fact that oh, you're yeah. in there for an hour and forty-five. It's just a longer drive for me to Carl Springs and back. Yeah. And you're then there by yourself surviving. Holy shit. Like, that's crazy. You know, the, the fight or flight. Yeah, I was you about know, to bring that up, dude. Honestly, like, you don't, you your don't training like... and the fight and flight, like, yeah. instinct that you have, I think the culmination of those two. You know, I think I was fortunate enough to see, like, situations in Afghanistan or Iraq where, you know, we had to put tourniquets on people. And yeah, they might not have like made injuries. it. You know, they didn't make it if they were the out there 
like screaming and crying and then oh tell my mom I love her tell my dad I love him you know? yeah because you start getting no I'm telling my mom and dad myself I love them I'm I need to tell my kids my my wife you know I need to tell them all how much I love them and I don't want to stand so it's crazy right so then they start backing me up out of the out of the mine in the left leg they think I'm hallucinating because they're like oh it's He's hallucinating. He doesn't know what's going on. I'm like, no, it's still attached. You're dragging the thing. And it's fucking killing me. And I was ready to just just destroy people. I was so pissed off. My, I mean, but they were getting that adrenaline going again. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They were keeping my adrenaline going the entire time. Like, So, yeah, I was, in, I was in total shock. But I had these guys that were able to really keep the adrenaline going for me, you know? And if it weren't for that, I, I think... Honestly, I think I wouldn't have made it because I was able to see how close I actually was through other people's eyes, you know. I never actually had the outer body experiences that people have when they, right. you know, have these accidents and stuff. And, you know, I, I was never at that point, but I was able to take what the situation was and... and understand everything from it you know yeah so yeah, I was I was very fortunate that day you know I had someone really watching my back and helping me out you know and and like I said you know if you take that mentality of you're not gonna you're not let you're not settling for this you know you have to you know and so they they were flying me and it was it was cool because I was talking to the pilots you know as we were flying and I was like, it's crazy to think that just six months ago I climbed Pikes Peak, or maybe it was a year ago. A year ago I climbed Pike Peak, and now we're flying over it. You know, I don't have legs. And they're like, this dude's crazy, man. Like, you know, and then they, from that, they were going to take me to Denver, and they, or, or Springs, I'm sorry. They were taking me to Springs, and then they had to reroute me to Denver because the trauma was just too bad, you know. And so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean. That basically the only hospital within the area that's ready to deal with that is Denver. Oh yeah. So you've got a long ride. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was a a pretty interesting helicopter flight, you know. And then yeah. and then once we landed, it was crazy because it's like when the helicopter was coming in, it took them like 30 minutes for it to come in. So I sat in the ambulance for 30 minutes, and during this 30 minutes, I was like, hey, can you hook me up with some some pain meds? Well, just because they were uh, EMS or EMTs, they weren't paramedics, they couldn't hook me up with pain meds. So I had to wait until the helicopter got there before they could start hooking me up with pain meds and stuff. So it was like a really long wait just for the helicopter, but when I heard it coming, it was weird. It was like an angel, man, just coming yeah. in and... You know, in and and they picked me up, and then they hooked me up with the I. Are they? You know, they hooked up into my IV, the pain pills, and all that stuff. So the flight was like, I was happy after that. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm oh, not in yeah. that pain. I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm good, man. I'm I'm ready to go. But so we get to Denver, and I asked the surgeon. I was like, you are not putting me to sleep. I was like, you are not fucking putting me to sleep, dude. And he's like, we have to. I was like, no, just put some local anesthesiologist, get your, your anesthesiologist and have him do a local anesthesia. And he's like, no way, you'll never survive. He's like, when you start hearing them saws going, and we had this like whole talk first, and I was like, dude, I'm so terrified right now because I'm so close to dying that, like... I feel if you put me under, I'm not going to pull out of it, you know? No, you had, like, that remiss kind of, like, almost, like, anxiety about it, almost, in a oh, sense. Oh, yeah, I was yeah. so terrified, man. Yeah. And then, so, like, after after all that stuff, you know, um, 
I, I had to jump up and like I thought I was out for days and I found out it was only a couple hours that I had been out but my breath had stunk so bad because I was so dehydrated you know I was like holy shit and my girlfriend she's in the waiting room they're like she's gonna want to come and see you I'm like hell no my breath smells like shit <laughs> I smell like I got SARS or something like that you know <laughs> SARS breath so so yeah, so um, you know, I, I made him give him, give me a toothbrush and stuff first, and then I seen her, and then I had to, I I honestly had to get in the wheelchair, you know. So like it was, I think it was like six hours after my surgery and stuff, I jumped in a wheelchair and I was going around the hospital because I could not be bound to the bed right away, you know what I mean? Like I had to go off and explore for a little bit. I had to go see. So I think another big thing was I had a lot of family in the waiting room. My cousin was getting married that day, so. Me, one of the things I was talking to the paramedics about, they knew my cousin, and I was like, how fucked up it would be if I died on my cousin's wedding day? You know, that's so fucked yeah, up, right? Yeah, we, we did take a gigantic shit. Like, what a dick. Right, well, <laughs> he would, too. It's like where the certain stuff that's happened to, you know, just the minimal shit. It's like, oh, it's like the Beekman effect or the Mormeyer effect, as we always call it. You know, it's... Murphy's you, Law. Murphy's what, Law. What, what can go wrong will probably yeah. go wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, and then, like, so it was a long recovery. It just basically, I got, you know, addicted to the pain pills, and I started going down the wrong path, and I forgot my promise to God, basically, you know, and I, I was just living life all wrong. I was super, like, uh, verbal, verbally abusive to my my wife, you know, like I would just try to get her to leave me because I mean, if she left me, I was going to kill myself basically, that was the plan, you know, I was all part of trying to commit suicide, you know I I, had, I was in such a dark place at, at that time, you know just eating up pills left and right like, I mean, I would run out of my prescription 15 to 20 days before I was supposed to and they would just refill them and I was eating these things like candies, man I'm like like they're little sprees, you know. Oh, this. Oh, I like the red flavor. You know, I'm gonna eat this shit up all day. Yeah. The blue ones are yeah. the good ones. <laughs> yeah. And then at that point, I mean, I had no quality of life. And one night, I was sitting there high as a kite, and the U.S. Paralympic sled team came on. And I watched these dudes, and I was like, "Holy shit! These guys are animals, man. This is what I want to be. This is this is what." why I was saved that day like honestly is to play this sport and this is how I'm going to change lives is through this sport right here and then uh, me and my wife we were doing this downhill mountain biking stuff you know and I was getting into the downhill mountain biking I was crushing these trails I'm getting this big ass trike bike I was getting it every bit of three to six feet off the ground you know if I could find a big enough jump with the big enough hill to send me I was doing it oh, you know you <laughs> and you know like we're at these parks and everyone's wanting to ride with me you know so it's like before long I have a trail of guys just following me and stuff you know and one day me and my wife are coming back from the airport and she's like look there's a Colorado sled hockey van or whatever it was and I was like no way she's like do you want to go see it? and I was like hell yeah so I went and um I seen the van I parked right next to it and I'm like looking all over for the guy who's in it you know and I go inside, can't find it. I'm looking for a guy in a wheelchair, basically, you know? Couldn't find him. I go back out there, and I see this guy sleeping in the fucking, in the thing, and it's Corey Fairbanks, and I just start pounding on the window, and he's like, oh, 
scared the shit out of me. I was sleeping. I'm like, Dude, I want to play sled hockey. And he's like, show up at the ice ranch on Saturday at 6, 6 a.m. And I'm like, hell yeah. So, you know, I was like, I didn't know what to expect. You're at three. Where are you going? Yeah, Four. Yeah, for sure. Five or six a.m. practice. Hell yeah, yeah, man. I was just I was just stoked. I was like, man, I got to do this. So I, I showed up and, you know, I'm skating around and the sled don't fit. Every time I get hit, I fall out of it. I'm having a hard time, but I'm enjoying it, you know. And this guy, Corey, comes by me and he just fucking lights me up. He destroys me, and I was like, "Oh, I could hit people like that and like, get away with like it." Hit you or verbally like no, said, he, what the hell? No, he, we were skating by, and I had the puck with my head down, and he lit me up. He just said, "Hey, we don't skate with our head down here." And after that, I was like, "Dude, I could do this without getting in trouble." Like, I could hit people like this and welcome to hockey, baby. And I was like, it's on, man. From that day on, it was, there was a, a new me. I was determined to quit what I was doing, you know, that was destroying my life and just eating me up, which were the pain builds, so you know? So it's like a tenacity you built up and an emotion you built up to take it out on, right? Oh, yeah, man. To take like, your situation out on. Like, sports is it. I'm a Rocky. Just a fresh yeah. breath, breath yeah. of life in you, Seriously. Oh, yeah. You like, went from the trenches just to battling people again and realizing that you can do that. Yeah, That's yeah. just amazing. Well, and I think uh, what, what's really big about that is that you went, like, you had spent so long, how, like, all right, so how many years was it from your accident to where you found out about uh, uh, Paralympic hockey? Five years. So you five years. Wow. You had spent five years literally battling yourself. Yeah. This guy in five seconds sleeping showed you that you don't have to battle yourself. You can battle other people yep. in a positive and constructive light. Yep. And then help people while I'm doing it. Exactly. It's just a crazy oxygen moron thing. Like you're awake you know, last five years. Going, what am I going to do with my life? What's going to motivate me? What do I want to do? Polar opposite, you find some guy sleeping in a van. <laughs> you knock on his window. Was it down it, by a river, though? Yeah, but really. Please tell me it was down by a river. Just for the Chris Farley joke. Just for the. Definitely the river. <laughs> it's so ironic, though. Everything is so ironic in the story. Oh man! It and it happened to just be like a perfect mixture of everything you needed to re- rebuild your life. Oh yeah, and then and, yeah, it's crazy because after that day of of that Saturday morning, that Monday, I went and seen my doctor, and I was like, "Hey, what do I got to do to get off these pain pills?" And he's like, "Oh, well, we'll lower the dosage." And I'm like, "What?" No, because at this rate, I, I just take off. more of them. I want off of them, yeah. not less yeah. of them. And then, yeah. but not to get too in depth, how many were you taking a day at a time? Because um, I know a friend, my one of my best buddies, who was taking about 15 to 20. I was at 28 easily, 28 plus a day. I mean, if most uh, of those people take in a month on a usual dosage of any kind of pill, one day, you're at what people take in one day at what usually takes people a month to take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so many people in yours and my situation where we are at like a total disadvantage of like a disability, it's so easy to go to doctors and just say, this hurts. It's It won't stop hurting. I need more of this to make it stop hurting. And it's so easy for those doctors to just 
well, okay, we'll write a new prescription for you of the dosage, up up the amountage. Oh yeah. Doesn't matter. Like it's it's it is the most like that's that's the worst thing about being in like a um, a quasi dis- disabled situation. Yeah. Is that you you can. It's so easy to just tell anybody, yeah, this hurts. I need more pills. Oh yeah, easily. And then once you once you start facing them demons, like you're on that road to where you're overdosing and you're just doing shit just to, like I mean, it's a bad cycle, a vicious no, cycle, man. Yeah, and you just br- it, I don't want to make a stained Aaron Lewis reference, but you're breaking the cycle in a sense. Oh yeah. You completely broke that uh, apart. Um, and it's just amazing because, yeah, going from where my buddy JT rest his soul um, to where you're, you were immensely at, like, just popping pills by the handfuls, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Like, honestly, like, he was hooked. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's just amazing to just hear that you have come from the trenches and just have fought that battle. Like, you, and not even that trench, you've gone down and fought with your brothers at war. Oh, yeah. Like, you've already experienced this. Like, and even going back to the tourniquets, I mean, you just had the know-how. Oh, a belt, we could use that. We yeah. Could, yeah. No, you just have that drive and that push to just keep yourself going. And oh, yeah. no, I'm better than this. I can do, I am a, a, not better than this, I guess. It would be like, I'm a more. I know what I'm worth. Yeah, I know what I'm worth. And right, yeah, exactly. I, my worth is a weight of platinum in a sense. Yeah. I've got so much writing on myself, and that's just amazing to just hear this whole story. It's getting me a little bit choked up. The imagery like, and the uh, I think the persona what people see or you, what you presume that people think of you as is totally wrong. You're totally capable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, yeah, you're totally capable. Yeah. You've proven it, like you know, the last ten plus years of your life. You've been proving that, and yeah. so when I'm, I mean, there's nothing to prove. There's just everything for everyone else to understand who's not in your possession. Like, and it yeah. goes with that age-old saying, Bryce, that the proof is in the pudding. Right? Yeah. yeah. If you're going to put your nose to the grindstone, amazing things can happen. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's what I, I try to tell guys like all the time, you know, like, you could be the most talented hockey player, but if you're not putting the work and you're not willing to go grind for it, it's, it's all for nothing. You know, all that talent is for nothing, basically. Well, and that's also the beauty thing with hockey and what you have gone through is that you just not even with your army background and everything, you also, you've already know and gained that asset in your persona, I guess. Yeah. And, but you can actually even more hone that in, in a sense, you know. Exactly, Ross. I'm a little, little bit on with the tractor yeah. load we're having yeah. here. I'm going to add on to that. Uh, but I think it's more the fact that, you know, you're putting people wrong. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, you know, I think you go into a grocery store anywhere else, and people might think, yeah, he probably couldn't do as much as I can, right? But literally, no, with the banker. Yeah. Like, this is somebody who's going to give your life for the country, but also, you're playing a sport that says, I am that kind of person. Yeah. You know, like, hockey is a kind of sport where, you know, it's, it, I'm not going to say, you know, football and hockey are kind of like military kind of sports. It's yeah. physical. You depend on your teammates. Yeah. 
without your stick, you're nothing. Yeah. Your teammates, you're nothing. Yep. And there's one goal, is to win. There's no other goal is to win, right? So and then you gotta put the trust in them, you know? So yes. Yeah, everybody's well, gonna do their job and knows their job. And you know, like, along this whole path, one of the things that I've really got, like, I guess it's the most humbling thing ever when you lose your legs and you were like this really athletic person before, you know, um, wrestled in the state tournament here at the Pepsi Center twice, you know, and um, I was a really good athlete just growing up football, baseball, wrestling, track. Yeah, you know, and, and then it's all taken from you and you feel helpless. And then so like, you know, like when I did cut the pills, I cut them cold turkey. And the doctor totally, like, so what happened was that Monday that we went in, yeah, man, it was rough. My buddy couldn't, he did it eventually, but that's, wow. That was the hardest thing ever. Whether alcohol or weed, whatever it is, but opiates, the most addictive drug out there, you quit cold turkey, and with the way you are now, yeah, man. Yeah, it was was rough. It was the, the roughest, like, year of my life, you know, getting off of them. Because I went through my withdrawals, I, I had my relapses, you know, where I'd find something, you know, oh shit, I didn't get rid of these pills. Oh, I could take them, pop, you know, and I, I relapsed a couple times, and then it was like, you know, it took me a lot of just finding myself, you know. I what so I want self questioning. What do I want? What do I really want in yeah. my life? Is what do you seek in life? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's like you got to weigh your odds when you start to, and that's what I try to teach my sons, you know, like, and my daughter. You got to weigh the odds of the situation at all times, you know, because you never know what's going to happen. All it could take is one time of doing something wrong, and now your whole life is completely yeah. changed. It could be anything. Anything. One time of anything. Anything. Is too much. Too yep. Much. You're just basically just saying just weigh your decisions. Oh, all the time. And all the time. Like, you're taking this chance based basically to maybe get high as your co-worker did at that point yeah or just being sober throughout the day granted his addiction and all of that yeah which i mean it always sucks and i this mean you know, a totally different direction too like in the sober mind think about that in the sober mind what are your limits it's nothing yeah like what are your limits what and, can i do without this in my life and i think you found that kind yeah of happy yeah and yeah. yeah, I also think that you take that aspect too with the army side and with dealing with that, the addiction side of that, because I know that my buddy JT, um, he would try to push his limits. Yeah. Like, as soon as he would get back into either uh, the back patches, I can't think of what they're called right now, yeah. but or the oxycodons or the oxycontins, or Both he would even. Yeah, he would yeah. even. And just shoot up straight up. Oh, like yeah. it was just like he needed his fix. I'm rent. sure. Yeah. I'm sure I wasn't too far away from the shooting up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like honestly, like because you get to a point where these pills aren't doing it. Yeah. They aren't doing the job. And when you have oh, Suboxone is the Suboxone. Yes. Yeah. Suboxone okay, yeah, is yeah. a terrible one because it it only takes like tiny tiny squares. But it's like I forget what the actual. Um, yeah, weight of it, but yes, continue. Yeah. Sorry, I, I just popped in. My oh head. yeah, man! Like honestly, like it was it was crazy because you know you it's like you get addicted or not addicted. You get um, you build a tolerance for it. You know when you've been taking thirty of them a day. So then when you go to have your relapse, you know all what happens. You know I think is you try to do what you did when you were 
actively eating everything. You know, you're eating 20 pills a day. You haven't done it in three three months, and you're gonna go try to do it now. You know, because you're hurting a little bit. Your your hair's hurting. Well, that's the worst thing too. Is when you try to just quit either cold turkey like you did, or my buddy JT did for about two years, and then you're like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna fucks with this, and I'm gonna do what I used to. Yeah. And that's when you get sorry, and you're in trouble. Yep. Like, and people need to realize that um, it's a huge epidemic, especially along the East Coast. Oh yeah. Like it runs rampant like yeah. I mean even here downtown in Denver and Colorado it's yeah just throughout the whole world yeah. I mean, it's just I a mean, world pandemic man well, it's, yeah it's just starting to pop up like rear its ugly head even more and more and you know what sucks is like for athletes they they're more susceptible to it because they go play these sports they land up with an injury and the, you know a lot of times the doctor's fix for it is pumping them with these pills. Yeah. Oh, you're looking at your, like, Ryan Kessler's or, you know, your Bob Proverts or whatnot. Yep. You know, you're just, like, granted, there's, that's two different things from what you're talking about, but still, they needed that to and essentially just make their lives, like, normal. Yeah. And that's, and it's either it has minimal effects or it has very long lasting effects because I know that Kessler with his uh, hip uh, surgeries and stuff like that he now has developed uh, correct me if I'm wrong now Dano's on the pod um, he had Crohn's and colitis because of it yeah, it's a it's it's a very common side effect of those painkillers for yeah. sure. And well, and even your uh, what is it, your ibuprofens and stuff like that. I mean, I didn't do a lot of that. I mean, I've got diaphragmatitis. I'll be open right now, and that's kind of an off. Like it's the redheaded sister of that. It's not as like dire. It's but. it's somewhat ironic, and I can share this too. I had a surgery recently where they prescribed pain meds to me. Right? No, I don't take them and ever. You are aware of all the things that you guys are talking about. Yeah. So you're trying to avoid the habitual use of that. Exactly. And your doctor is prescribing two rounds of this and going into it you're like I won't even take the first round so well and you, you know. mentioned it before we got on the cast that uh, like it's like my buddy JT he would figure out ways that he could get scripts written with basically okay. almost not, yeah. Well, that's, we, a that's, a beast. Whole, that's a whole different horse, whole different color. But, but what I was going to say yeah. about the painkillers that was ironic for me was uh, one of the, well, a common side effect of these painkillers is something to do with your digestive system. Yeah, that is, and, that is 100%. And I, I thought it was so weird how after my surgery... I was in so much pain that I took painkillers and the most pain from my surgery was dealing with the side effects which was constipation from my surgery. So I was oh, sitting there a, on the toilet being horror, like, isn't it? I want to take the pain meds but at the same time the pain meds are what caused me being in pain right now and you see the vicious cycle. Yeah. And the other thing I want to comment that you guys have talked about is... and. I hope I'm not repeating what's been said already, but... um, Spit it out, Daniel. Like, there is 
nothing about going down that road that you think, oh, a side effect of this is a split personality. But what does happen is there's a part of your brain that is like your addict part of your brain that starts telling you like this is okay, yeah. like don't worry about it. And so it's not a split personality, but there is an yeah. addictive uh, mental gymnastics going on. Yeah, this where feels you're like good. this is this is okay, yeah. like and you can justify why you're taking this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a problem as well. And to go a layer deeper, they are happy to prescribe it again because it's another incentive towards the doctor. Oh yeah. You know, like getting they, the kickback. They see them bucks. So it's a weird system that's been created. I definitely don't agree with it. I completely respect that there are people out there that need these pain meds for whatever they're going through. But then there's a, a sector of that industry that is fully aware that this is incredibly addictive and from one instance in your life that's going to lead to a lifetime of dependency oh all all day it's just crazy it's a, like you said it's a vicious cycle like you just continue to to tread down and it's like for what like and you know like it took a lot of trying to find myself like a lot of um, like mental therapy you know like just because you know when I was going through all this stuff I had a doctor a psychiatrist and he was like yeah let's put this stuff in a guard or in a, a closet and I'm like he's like but you got to organize it and I'm like I don't like that whole closet meant that whole closet stuff analogy stuff you know I was like I was I was into gardening you know really big at this time so I was like let's do a garden of life you know and he's like what's this and I'm like well what happens in your life you know you we get set in these ways and we forget like the good the bad and all that stuff right so my analogy on this garden of life was basically we all have our own gardens basically and like our mom and dads, they work the soil of our our kids, you know, and try to teach them everything from ethics, morals, all this stuff, right? Like who to hang out with, just all this stuff. And what happens is in life, we start, we'll, we'll put ourselves in these different situations because we get the... Um, <clears throat> The gratification of the getting away with things, you know, like sure. yeah, so, and it's a it's a positive feedback. Yeah, group, exactly, right? and that's what that that's what gratification. The, yeah, it's, it, it, if I think I need it, I got it. I can function on it. I'm good. I'm normal, but that's how not every ever lot of people is functioning. Hey, right? you know right. what would be super fun is like I got to go to Walgreens for this thing. You know what would make that better? being high while I do that thing. Yeah, oh, all day, exactly. Right? Well, and it depends on what either substance or how your aspect is on that whole entire thing. Sure, is, but it, I don't care if you put in what you get in. You put in what you get in, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, but like 100%. For sure. Like, there are so many ways that, and that's why I go back to, it's not a multiple personality thing, but after a few tastes from the teat. Yeah. yeah. You're, 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 the forbidden you know, fruit. Like, yeah. The forbidden fruit. You think the, you're right at the happy the, the snake from the Garden of Eden. 
you yeah, know, yeah. from is talking to you and telling you like this is totally okay and it's a weird place to be in where you know you have the access to it yeah and you are totally going to give uh you're to- sorry you're totally going to be given uh, a free pass on using it and then it becomes de- it, it becomes more of a all right, what's my deal like with God or what's my deal with um, what's your myself, you what's know, and like, yeah, exactly. And like, do I want to live like a life of where I can mental gymnastics explain this away to yeah. the, the public or, or do I want to look inside myself and realize like, I know I can, but I shouldn't. Yeah. And and right. it's a it's a I don't know if it's for you because I haven't yeah. heard this, but for me, in the past, it's it's been a mental struggle. Yeah. And 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 your your biggest enemy becomes yourself. Oh In, yeah. a, in a way, mm-hmm. you know. And um, what's really amazing is it gets to the point where you think you're getting away with it and there's this part of your life where you have a network and you have friends and there's this thing I'm dealing with right now which is like I have a lot of friends in my life but I don't know if I have many friends in my life that would tell me tough love yeah and and like tell me like yo dude like you are you're fucked up. Like you, you need to stop because there's a lot of people that would support me and understand me and un- get what I'm going through from a peripheral. And it comes back to like, dude, you gotta, you gotta look within yourself and realize like, what the, like, are you really gonna do this? Like, are, yeah. you, are you really, like, cause like you can convince everybody else and they're gonna nod and smile and say yes. And I, I appreciate the people that have come into my life that have realized to me, uh, that have told me like, dude, like you are so, like you think you're getting away with this, but you are not. Like, and like, dude, you need a mental check right now. Yeah, right. And, and it's like very, uh, revealing as well as enlightening you know yeah 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 well oh yeah and Duvall you can I've had my addictions I'm not gonna say it over the air but um you it's you don't have your two personalities you have multiple like yes like you got five talking to you at all the same time you got yeah it's just it's a hard thing to deal with it's a very big struggle to deal with but I just love where you've gone, where you were, what happened, and what has come to fruition to you coming to love this beautiful facet of a life, like of life, honestly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what, like, honestly, let like led you to just, I mean, just keep on being just that positive person, like that, just have that drive that does it, is it hockey, is it, what is it, I want to hear everything about it. You know, I I honestly think it's just like, um, I had someone ask me, you know, like, what's a um, resilient individual? Right. And, you know, like, honestly, to be a resilient individual, you have to have all your stuff in, in order. 
And really, oh, 100%. Because, yeah. I mean, you can't be a resilient person that is high on pills and doing all the wrong things. You know, you got to be a resilient person. You have to be able to take any, any obstacles that are put in front of you and learn how to overcome them. You know, because, I mean, that's like once we find one little obstacle that gets in our path, then our mind starts thinking, oh, I can't do that, you know? And and in reality, you can. You just have to find a way around it or something. And that's what I try to tell myself, you know? Like, so in any situation I find myself, instead of taking any of the negative out of it, I try to take all the positive things out of it. You know what I mean? I try to find find things that basically, um, like, so... It could be anything stupid, like the dumbest thing ever, and I'm like, oh, I, I just totally screwed up this whole project. So instead of looking at what I screwed up, I look at, oh, wait up, I did this right in this, but next time if I do it this way, it's going to come out perfect. Yeah, what are nice. My, what are my opportunities yeah, to get better at? It's like me and the electric field. It's not mistakes, yeah. but what are my opportunities right. that I can look at myself at I'm in the mirror and say, I can get better at this. If I do this... Just a little bit. Everything grows. Right. It's like every petal blossoms in a circle if you do one thing right. Yeah, and see, so so when you go back to my garden in life, basically, all like so when you're doing your garden in life, all your friends and family are your flowers and roses or whatever you want your garden to be. It doesn't have to be that. It could be zucchini. It could be (laughs) any of that, right? Like whatever you want in your garden. Every every petal blossoms individually. I've got a great quote for this. and, And honestly, so what happens is. When we start, like, if you don't go pluck your garden, you, like, you got to go out and maintenance all your soil, right? So you're pulling all these bad things, which could be anything from gambling. It could be any drug addiction. It could be alcohol. It could just be the way you treat people that you're going to lose your, your your flowers if you don't. So, like, when you go to water, you're, you're you know, like, once you really get into really gardening and you want to dial everything down, you got to pH your water, you got to really start putting in nutrients, and if you put too much nutrients, you're going to burn the shit out of your flowers, your blossoms and that, and they're not going to grow, they're not going to prosper. You give them too much sun, some, some plants don't like too much sun, you know? So you got to know how to weigh out your garden and know where to place these certain friends and families, you know, and, and basically when you start doing this and you start weeding your your garden and you start giving it the proper you're going to have this beautiful garden that's just so full of friends and family that you know but but you got to be able to manage it because I think you're hitting on on like on a human level deeply of community yeah yeah for sure communities to work as human beings right yeah like you all care about each other yeah governmental being you have a you know HOA you have all these things that just decide how you should be really running the way you should be thinking at the end of the day, right? Yeah. But I think in the way you're, you're, you're presenting your argument, not an argument, but I think a point of view, which is very valid to anybody else who's listening to this right now, is making sure you know, what you're getting yourself into overall, first yeah. and foremost. Yeah. But also understanding that as a human, there's different ways of growth. Yeah. There's emotional, there's physical, you know, and there's your, your work life, your family life, and you know, everything else besides that. And I think what you brought into light here today was look at all those factors and look at all those little factors that blooms in a, in, in a petal of a flower. And if you can grow that, you can grow a garden. Right? Yep. And yep. so when I think of that and I think of your, your, your 
trials, tribulations that she <laughs> she went through very in detail with us today. Um, but I just I look at that and I go, this is somebody that I think you know as a hockey player, as a hockey player, you I think you exert a lot of tenacity, you exert a lot of relentlessness, and a lot of I can't do attitude, oh, but yeah. also skillful level of skating on frozen water. Right. <laughs> I think this is a beautiful feeling. Yeah. Well, so, and it's also I forget what the movie's called. It has DMX and Jet Li, um, but no, uh, DMX takes care of orchids in that. And he goes, I tried to use the best soil and the best purest water. I tried to use the best fertilizer for these orchids, but they kept dying. Yeah, it just depends on. And now he was using at that point the, you know, the basically salt of the earth soil and all the basic nutrients it's how do you tend to the orchids Thank you, in a Ross. sense yeah a good fucking yeah hell yeah no and i i always it's how you tend to your orchids is yeah it's it's not what you try to put money or like physical objects as whatnot it's what you put in once again is what you get out. get out. Yeah. It's not visualizing life goals, but the work you have to put into it to get to your life. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. May I, may I add to that? Oh, uh, 100%, Daniel. Um, so, uh, I read a book a couple of years ago called Feeding the Future, and it was essentially saying, like, you know, fertilizer is a great additive to the soil to make things grow at a flourishing rate but if we add too much fertilizer to it it ends up creating a great yield for that year but then the next year you don't get the same yield because you've oversaturated the nutrients in the soil and it creates a situation that is uh, unsustainable. Exactly. And to where and you keep it the same, same, once you get it consistent. And so, beautiful. I agree. And, and, and my, my metaphor that we're staying with here is um, it's really important to have people in your life that recognize that you shouldn't be doing this alone and those people are your fertilizer. Yeah. But if you have too much of an outside influence and too much noise and too many cooks in the kitchen, it Get can the fuck create out of the kitchen. It, it, it's like congratulations, we got you there, but we basically spoon-fed you all the way. So now next year you're kind of fucked because like we're, we're done going now. Into a drought. Yeah. We're going yeah, into a drought. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and so I think it's really important to state that um, while it's super, super important for people to swallow their pride and recognize that like most things that they want to accomplish in their life are not done by themselves. Right. Like no, no matter how arrogant you it's are to it, it's not done in a matter of time. And it, it takes and it, lots of time. It is. Well, it's like hockey. It all boils back down to hockey because you know what? If you don't, if you do not trust your teammates, you do not. You, you try to start doing things on your own. It's way too easy to key on this one individual than rather a, a team that's spread out and you know getting the movement going, getting that 
that just just everything that you're trying to do you know and that's well said yep that's how it all that's how i try to tie everything back in you know amen brother like if you can dangle through the team one time yeah like congratulations do you think you're gonna dangle through the team every time by yourself absolutely not right so it's like it's like vegas right how do you beat the colorado avalanche you muddy up the neutral zone right yeah you don't let mckinnon you don't let mccarr get any any layering the neutral zone yeah, yeah. exactly well, you play that sludge hockey yeah exactly so you, you you start you like you said you dangle it once now you think you're going to do it again no wait a minute these guys are trying to do the same thing you're doing they're but if if they do it better then how do you adjust? You know, like you now you start getting your teammates involved. Now you start showing where you're a really skilled player by hitting tape to tape, right? Through through all this muddy muck that's going exactly. on and all this you know, stuff. Exactly. love to connect hockey to military. You have a, you have a second, a split second to really realize where you are in position. Yeah. And who isn't attacking? Yeah. You and have a split your second six, to really whatever. realize as a center or a defenseman who is my man. Who am I covering if I'm dropping him as a forward to the offensive zone? Who's covering my ass? Yeah. Like, those are the things that they cover. And I think the communication aspect, and I think you, just being in the military and being in hockey, I think the human being has made you a better communicator than anybody else you've probably been playing on your entire life. Grandpa, grandma, anybody else. But I think the pinpoint communication aspect of Military and hockey is really giving me leverage in your, your own life, honestly. Yeah, I mean, and you know, like, so what you're saying, like, so the kids with disabilities, they don't get this, adva- like, they're at a disadvantage because they don't get the opportunity to learn how to, like, so we're at a young age, right? Like, if you're an able-bodied kid. Tiny man. Yeah. You, you, you get to learn all this. We're like a kid with a disability, and that's one of the most humbling things for me was, is now I have to really learn how to communicate what is going on with me. And, you know, like when you stay sheltered and you keep yourself away from people and you don't, like everyone has problems. How you hurt, how you feel, and if you keep it away, you hurt yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and and honestly, like, so so what happened to me is I had to find out that it's okay to show my emotions. It's okay to show things because we're human, you know. We're, we're, uh, we have to let that stuff go because if we bottle it up, we eventually turn to that individual that wants to commit suicide oh, or boils wants over. to go shoot up yes, all these schools exactly. or shoot up a grocery store, you know. And it's like, get out and talk to people. Smile. You, you know, you don't people. know, you don't know yeah. what a smile will do to, to people. You know, like I tell my my boys all the time, smile at someone because that smile could change someone's life. Yeah. And honestly, it can. It's that simple. It and, is. Or how can I help you? Yeah. How yes. simple is that? That's the best. That's how the best thing. Are you okay? Yeah. yeah. Are you okay? Right. It, it's fine to ask all that. You know. How you doing? So to end exactly, it. man. It's it and it's that it's that easy, right? It's it's like so easy just to ask that simple question instead of like because then what happens is when you find out something happened to this individual and you're like, shit, I should have asked. I could have. You can't yeah. assume that people are on the same level as you are 24 right. 7. You, you kind of are, and I'll get to my question after this, but you're kind of one of those, you don't want to be a shoulda, coulda, woulda. Right. Yes, you're exactly. going to call to action like what needs to happen right now. Yeah. But, and, I mean, I know uh, these boys, I mean, we need to get you in the suite. But, yeah. Um, when 
which I love this. You were so personable to me and my father, Keith. Oh, yeah. And when we went and, I mean, there was Grubauer's agent there. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hey Duke, his kids, uh, David and Marek. Yeah. I mean, how from when your accident happened, like, has this been a positive light to see it just come full circle? To see how when you ask God for that second chance, in a sense, you know, just to see it completely come in full circle. And you're here right now. You're meeting one of the greats. Like, what, oh, right. what, what could you say that could be a positive influence to anybody? You know, honestly, it's... Um, I honestly, <laughs> make it count, man. Make it, the well, whole, um, you have 15 countries. Yeah, think, of, think about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but yeah, that's because the way that you were just, just respect, like, God, no. Yeah, I mean, you just, it's, you I want yeah. you to think about it. The, yeah. thing, the thing that I'll add to this is I used to be a person that took great pride in doing things independently. And the, the issue with doing things by yourself is when you accomplish them, there is no one to celebrate those accomplishments exactly. with. And yeah, what, like that, you're here in an elbow of a hockey ring Colorado. Little do you know, 15 countries will hear this and they are going to take it into consideration. So what do you say next? Purposely really matters. Say it. Yeah, purposely say it. In purpose, yeah. Yeah, you know, honestly, like, so where I where I really had to, I, you know, I was so when I was on this whole thing with the pills and I was watching, I was watching a lot of news, right? And that's where I really realized we have way too many people out there that are pissed off, mad, entitled, victim, and it's like we don't need another one. So how do I get out of that? Don't play the victim. There's always a solution to problems that are in front of you. And it's your power to figure out how to come up with that solution. So instead of playing the victim and feeling sorry for yourself because these are the cards that you were dealt. No, now you're, instead of that. Be a solution. Yeah, you're going to, okay, well, I got this hand. Okay, I'm going to have to fold this hand right now because if I play it, I'm going to lose everything. I got to wait for the next draw. But during that, you're working the entire time. You know what I mean? You're putting in the work. Yeah, and you're you hustling know. and grinding, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, everything doesn't happen overnight. And everything doesn't happen within an hour like we like to. You know, we don't always get that instant gratification. Sometimes it takes months, years to accomplish that. You know, and honestly, that's the hardest thing to figure out. Is But when you do figure it out... Like, and that's where it comes back to being a resilient individual, you know, like, okay, this just happened to me, but what am I going to do? Okay, I know I can't do it this way the next time because if I do, it's going to fail. But I learned that as long as I do this and I take from it, you know, like that's, that's where I go back to my garden in life. So anything that ever happened to me, good or bad, goes into a rock, right? And this rock lines my entire garden. And, you know, like I, I think about it. I was the homecoming king 
of my high school. I was the captain of my football team, captain of my wrestling team, captain of the baseball team. Like, I was, I had it all. Like, honestly. Pure athlete. Pure athlete. I mean. Good looks, athletic. Yeah, lucky. You know, I was, I was a lucky kid, you know. I'm, you I had it all. You know, and uh, I think a lot of it was growing up with a single mother. You know, my dad left us at a young age, and right then and there, you know, I had to learn how to be resilient because I had to learn how to, you know, be a big brother, be a like a man for my brother. So he wasn't, uh, you know, he he wasn't. He had a good he influence had to look up in a to sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like I couldn't be that guy that's out doing drugs and partying, and you know, I had to be this good influence. And you know, a good thing about sports is. Sports basically keeps you on track because, like, in high school, if I messed up, if I stayed at past curfew, my mom wouldn't let me play sports. If I got bad grades, you know, if I was below a C average, my mom wasn't letting me play any sports, you know. So I had to stay above a A. I had to stay at an A, B average, you know, in order to play sports because that's the type of stuff my mom put on me, you know. And that's what the good thing about sports are is they teach you how to work when you're not really trying to work for that. It makes you work for other goals too, you know, like. Well, the reality is if you become a coachable person as an athlete, you become a coachable person for a CEO. Yeah, you're in a business. coachable individual so on multifaceted. Yeah. a athletic person, you have business or whatever your other hobbies are, your interests are, they fall back onto it. And I think that's why sports in America or anybody else, anywhere else in the world is so important. It teaches coachability. It teaches leaders how to lead. Communication. And make sure that if you have a hard personality, you fucking change it. Yeah. yeah. Either it you teaches do you the program or you don't. Yeah. You succeed or you don't, which is very military. I think you can compare it to that. But, but when it comes to you know, you know, hockey, you know, I think that's a pure sport. Yeah. And it teaches you that there are times in your life you have no control of and you better to carry yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's one thing. You know, the football will give you all the rules in the world, you know, the helmets on, this and that. There's no fighting, but you know, hockey is, you know for any, any anybody who is fully abled, for somebody who's not fully abled, it brings into a spotlight how tough you really are and how much skill level you have. And what kind of skills can get you these hour and a half or two hours of fucking buildness? <laughs> and it'll teach you a lot about your entire life. It teaches you a lot about how you are as a person, how you handle pressure, yep. how you handle working as a person, as a teammate. Yeah. More importantly, how do you handle loss? And yeah. I think that, Amen. You know, Amen. And I think that, you know, my old coaches tell me, when you win... You say little, or when you when you lose, say little. When you win, say less. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that everybody goes to that kind of you know, that mental prospect of being humble and go a lot farther. And I think oh, yeah. what you've gone through in your life is humbleness. Yeah. Understanding that there's you're not the only person in your own position, right? Yeah. You understand people. You have sympathy, but I also think it brings to coaching. And a certain like tenacity to what you have going on in life. So, 
With that being said, I just wanted to bring that out and just you know, compliment you on what you've been doing as an athlete and also as somebody who's been struggling. So. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, well, course, yeah. Mr. Duvall, um, is there like anything Instagram-wise, website-wise that we can Facebook, Facebook that you want to shout out and plug on, like right yeah. now that we can get a hold of or that for our listeners to get tangible? Search you on. Yeah, like, Sledhead26 is my Instagram. Um, get it. I, I, I got to get me a Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff still, you know. And uh, you know, like I said, I've just really been trying to work with the Warrior Abs. That's our website, WarriorAbs.org. Um, you can find all these different guys' stories on, you know, their military service, you know, what they've done, and that's basically. We have our uh, Warrior Abs Twitter, our Warrior Abs Instagram, our Warrior Abs Facebook. So you could follow our team on all that stuff, and you know, I'm currently working on getting all my social media back up because that was one of the things. Once I my accident happened, I got away from the social media because I found a lot of fake people that you know thought I was getting rich, and I wasn't getting rich. I, I was losing left and right. No, Everything, you, you know, they they were yeah they yeah you were. Them were some of them. Them were them bad weeds that you had to pluck and get rid of. You from know, your, like from, from your, your garden. beautiful garden. Yeah, exactly. Get, get that out of the orchids. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Get them out of the orchids, <laughs> baby. You don't want that nastiness, you know. No. So, so once I, you know, it took me ten years to get my Instagram going. I never had Instagram before, but it took me ten years to get Instagram. You know, it just from took my off. Once you yeah. get pictures and messaging going, you can Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you know, I just try to just try to stay as inspirational to people, you know, as I can. Just try to remember what my promise was that day, and just keep pushing out. You know, keep pushing forward and keep trying to push people to realize that you know what we all have our own battles we all have our own roads that we have to take you know it's just how are you going to take it and how are you going to face it are you going to you know face it as this individual or are you going to face it as that individual and and that's what it boils down to well i'll tell you what the whole world after you listen to this we'll know what kind of individual you are oh, yeah, tell you sure. that much, but which is I amazing wanna, you know, <laughs> and, and Daniel? yeah i just want to say thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and vision and perspective and it's been not only enlightening but really great to connect with you to have this experience together and i really appreciate what you've divulge to our public audience like it's not easy to do that yeah. and well, especially I'm, at that heavy aspect too. yeah like we got way deep and i appreciate oh, yeah. you that yeah, yeah, that's, you don't that's, see that light hardly that's ever totally, that's yeah. totally what i was like saying it's and, and it's, it's, it's really really good to be vulnerable for the sake of helping the community and you've done yeah. that and I really really appreciate your your story your your ability to share and thank you so much for all of that you know honestly so like I was saying we all go through these things right the thing that's got me through this the most is sharing my story I'm telling you the more I share stuff the less I have like to deal with what happened that day like it makes it so much easier just sharing my story so any story you have you never know what person has a similar story to you you know like like Cody right it's so crazy to realize that we were hit the same month the same year just a few days apart you know what I mean like it is so crazy to think about that way you know but we would have never realized that 
until we actually sat down and started sharing stories, you know, and and I think that's all part of the healing process. You have right. to share your story and you have to be willing because otherwise you'll never heal. You'll well, always be angry, you'll always be sad, you'll always be mad, you'll always be the victim. And you also have to accept yourself as the beautiful individual that you are as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All day. You are the orchid, in a sense. You are the orchid, yeah. So. <laughs> I'm, about that. I'm really enjoying this chapter of your life, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, me too. It's amazing. I you know, think a good title is... Be the orchid. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, all of our listeners, and once again, thank you for coming on, bud. Um, like, Dano, you hopped on last minute. Yeah, Cody I has just, to go and announce yeah, a game. He, I just want to say on behalf of Cody, thank you for coming on. Uh, he was really happy to be talking to you, and uh, our our listeners are going to be so grateful for the messages that you've been sending them. So, on behalf of him and then me, Vihorsh, Abi and To, Salut, Avida Zen, peace out. Third period coverage continues with a little interview with our helper over the weekend, our unpaid intern, Jan Heda's son, Matias Heda. And we are back once again on the bench with Beaks. We are once again covering Dog Bowl. And, well, we have a very, very special very guest. Very special guest today. Very special guest. We have got the one and only Matias Heda. Yeah, hi guys. How you doing today? Pretty good. Great. That's great to hear, man. So, I know that you've probably been running around all weekend, just uh, doing stuff with your dad or trying, yeah, hanging out and stuff. Uh, have you been enjoying yourself this weekend, and what have you been doing all weekend? It's been awesome at the Dog Bowl. I mean, what they do here is just incredible, and it's been fun hanging out with friends here, running around, watching the games, and yeah. And how many dog bowls have you been to now? I think this is my second one. Okay. Nice. So you went the year before last year then? Uh, yeah, I think year. so. Awesome. Awesome. So, I heard, I was I know that you were kind of coaching out there. I saw you on the bench. How was how fun was that? It was really fun. You get to, you get to tell the boys what to do and get those line, lines out there and move them feet, right? Yeah. Awesome. I mean, I there was this one time where I was screaming at the ref. <laughs> I mean, I really took that serious, so. That's well, good. That's what a good coach should be doing out there. Right? Getting in the ref's ear, letting them know if they're making bad calls or no calls at all. Yeah. So what else have you been doing besides that, man? Um, just hanging out with my dad, you know. Um, I think... I watched one of his games where he lost, and no, I think they tied actually. And it was really fun. You weren't coaching him then? No, I wow. wasn't. That's the difference, yeah. I guess. I think I he would have done a lot better too. Yeah, I think they already <laughs> had a coach, so. Well, you need an assistant coach too. Yeah. And I saw you out there uh, participating in some of the trophy presentations. Yeah. What was it like getting out on the ice? Uh, cold. It was cold. <laughs> So, I hear that you guys are going to be possibly moving up to Minnesota to get your uh, career going. Yeah, big deal. Oh, no, you guys are making big news. And uh, for our listeners, uh, what team are uh, picked you up there, buddy? Um, I am going to be...
be playing for the Junior Gamblers. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's a Wisconsin and Minnesota team. Greeters. Nice. Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be a great team. Well, I mean, and I'm, what position do you play? Um, I can play any, but I, I think I'm going to be playing left wing. Nice, nice. You're just going to get those dirty dangles in and show them how yeah. to do it? That, that a boy, add a baby. I'm sure your dad would be proud. Yeah. Because you're not a goalie. Yeah. He, to be honest, he would kill me if I was a goalie. <laughs> he, he hates he hates me being goalie. Oh yeah. Because uh, we interviewed him, and I know that it, your grandpa was trying to give you goalie gear and stuff yeah. like that. And he's just like, well, what the heck? You didn't want me to be a goalie after you being a goalie, Dad. And now you're giving my kids stuff. It's just. It's just crazy, but I mean, yeah, it's great that you're actually picking a position and sticking with it, man. Yeah. I mean, the, I think he gave me uh, a little Colorado Avalanche goalie helmet. I still have that. It's signed by Patrick Raw and, like, and all of these uh, Hall of Famers. Wow. Very cool. That's neat, man. So are you excited to get to Minnesota and meet some of your teammates? Really? excited. It's going to be a blast there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it will be cold, but yeah. it will be fun. I mean, it's going to be the perfect place for you to kind of grow and, you know, make your career into something, man. And yeah. I'm excited to kind of see that flourish for you, man. Yeah. And w tell our listeners what you like about Dog Bowl. Oh, it's a lot of things like too much to say but one of the biggest thing is how they help people that's just one of the biggest and how they donate some a lot of their money that they worked hard for and they just give it to other people for them I mean it's just incredible of what what they do yeah does it make you want to be involved in the community when you get to Minnesota yeah I'm really involved I mean, I just love being here and spending time with them. That's great. And uh, does your sister ever let you shoot on her to help you? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, she, I, I, she's taller than I am. Yeah, she's very, she's, she's doing her great things too down in Baylor. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I heard you're not too excited to have her back for the summer, though. Yes, there's good days and bad days, you know. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what are some of the things that you're going to miss about Colorado? Mountain skiing. Yeah, very true. They'll have that up there, but it'll, it'll yeah. be a little bit different horse, different color, you know. It'll yeah. be different mountains, different kind of snow, but... Have you ever played pond hockey before? Yeah, we actually went to the pond hockey tournament a couple times with Thunderbirds. It was a blast. I mean, it's just a, I think I got interviewed actually there um, oh, cool. with Nine News. Oh, nice. When I was like four years old, but probably like six actually. But He's already t TV famous, folks. Yeah. Already TV famous. <laughs> And, and there's a lot of pond hockey up in Minnesota, too, so yeah. that's great. A lot of lakes there. No, mm -hmm. the land of 10,000 lakes, yes, yes. Do you like canoeing or getting I up? love fishing. Fishing's oh, one of my favorite. There you go. That's a place to get up there and do it with all the, the well, pike and the muskie and the walleye and all that. It's, yeah. it's Do you fun. go with your dad or your mom or Wait. both? Uh, can you say that again? Do you go fishing with your mom and dad or? Oh. My mom, I mean, she's not really a big fisherman, but me and my dad love going. We usually go up uh, 
at uh, 11 Mile Lake and fish on the boat there for trout. But sometimes we bring along my mom with uh, jet skiing. Oh, cool. And that's really fun. Are you are you packing the jet skis to Minnesota? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. We can't leave that behind because no. we have we have a really cool wakeboarding one. So I'm I'm gonna be trying to get into wakeboarding. Th- nice. Yeah, that would be awesome. I was gonna say I could I could take those off your hands if you want to leave them. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> looks like you're gonna have a lot of fun in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm excited. And you know you're entering a what are you gonna be a a peewee next year? Uh, yeah. Okay. Last year being a peewee. Oh, nice. all right. So how's checking going for you? I love it. Yeah. I can't wait. I was been a. I think I was a, always a goon in my life. So. <laughs> so you have no problem keeping your head up out there. I mean, uh, I sometimes I can get off guard with keeping my head down. Uh, I remember like a couple of days ago, my dad. I was going on a one-on-one with him, and I tried to cut to the middle, had my head down, and he just blew me up. <laughs> oh, my. And I think no. that, that was a lesson to learn for me. Uh, I imagine yeah. so. You going up against your dad through the middle, I, I wouldn't even tempt that with with anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. I'm. We're really excited to hear more about your story once you get out there. We'd love to see you back at Dog Bowl next summer, but if you're wakeboarding and fishing, that sounds like a good summer too. If there's any advice you want to give to any of our listeners before you leave, whether it's about Dog Bowl, whether it's about hockey, or whether it's about life, let us know. Um, probably like keep on going. I remember last year with uh, Thunderbirds, I had a little struggle, but I kept on going, and here I am, and gonna be in Minnesota. There you go. You heard it from one of the young guns, the up-and-coming superstar. I'm hoping. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time and your stories. It's been great having you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah no problem, man. We'll be chatting here around the the rinks and everything. Yeah. Awesome. Well, well good luck. Yeah, good luck. And, thank you guys so and much. Excited to see where your career goes, man. Thank you. Yep. Third period coverage of the Dog Bowl will end with a few final words from one of their fearless leaders, Mike Freeman. And welcome back for our newest installment of On the Bench with Beaks as we're covering Dog Bowl this weekend. Um, Right now we have the pleasure of uh, bringing Mr. Mike Smalls Freeman on with us. We just wanted to chat with him a little bit just to get his feels on, you know, how the weekend's going and just all the awesome stuff that you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ross. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. I know that, uh, you know, of all the things we have going on at Dog Bowl, one of the things we're really proud of is that on the bench with Beaks is here again for your second year at the Dog Bowl. Yep. And when you guys called me and said, uh, you know, hey, can we come to the Dog Bowl again? It was like, yeah, you guys don't have to ask. I mean, that's that's a given that on the bench with Beaks is going to be at the Dog Bowl. Uh, I appreciate I guess yeah. we're not drinking enough of the beer upstairs to get right. kicked out. That's great. <laughs> it's so rude of me. There's also Daniel Beatty on here. Hello, well. all yeah. of our lovely listeners out the, there. Yeah. yeah, we didn't need introductions. They no, they, they should know what 
what I sound like by now. Jeez. Yeah, we got and, and you know we got some new challenges this year with all the spectators in the building, right? We got we're bouncing you guys all around because uh, you know we got we got kids at the vending machine, we got games on both sides, we got crowds, and so you know crowds. Yeah, good problems to have, right? Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Yeah. It's it's the 11th dog bowl. It's my second, and for me to go from what it was last year to seeing it this year. It's not night and day, but it's a quite impressive visual of what the hockey community is all about. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing to see all the support. And I feel like the more people I talk to, it has this feeling that once you enter the arena, everyone's going to give you like this giant big hug. Right. Everyone's around you. It feels really good. And we're talking to you near the end of the tournament now. I've been playing in this tournament in some games, so have you. Uh, We have some wins, we have some losses, we have a lot of good times just from on the ice, and there's a lot going on off the ice as well. I'm really curious, now that you've been here for 11 years running, what are some of the highlights from this year's Dog Bowl that, looking back, fresh off the ice, you're proud of this year yeah well you know you guys just witnessed one right I mean one of my highlights just happened and that is uh, you know a a young man that was burned over a a large percentage of his body was told is you know his his parents were told he's not gonna live he's known as the miracle baby even today and so Jake Schroeder and he just sung the national anthem together. And that was beautiful. And it was just beautiful, wasn't it? I mean, oh, yeah. Jake is uh, such a humble human being. When I when I approached him about it and I said, you know, Luke is just so special to me. He's such a he's he's a survivor, right? And that's part of what Dog Bowl is about, celebrating people who've survived. And so he said, absolutely. He said, why don't you just have him do it? I said, no. He wants to do it with you. And he goes, oh, I would love to do that. And he'll he'll take the lead. And uh, and and Jake stepped out there with him. And Luke stole the show. And 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 Jake just you could tell he just uh, really you know was celebrating Luke as mm-hmm. he was singing. Right? He wasn't he wasn't being Jake Schroeder. He was celebrating Luke by singing alongside of him, which yeah. I thought was just a beautiful thing. You know? Yeah, definitely. So that was one. You know? How about you? Got you guys have been doing this, uh, you know, for several days now, right? And I know that you guys covered the Survivor game as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I think one of the things that we did this year that was also my favorite is we had the uh, announcers broadcast the Survivor game to the crowd. Yeah, so the crowd, that was really yeah, cool. Yeah, a little twist. Mm-hmm. Usually the crowd's just sitting there and they don't necessarily know what's you know happening. You know, in the broadcast area, because we've only done that two years now, but and there was no crowd to broadcast it to last year. But I thought, let's broadcast that to the crowd, so when somebody's you know in action or taking their shootout, we know what they that why they're in the Survivor game. We know just a little bit of their story, and so the crowd could go, "Wow, that's amazing!" You know, this guy's lining up for you know his his uh, f- uh, shootout goal. And this guy's staring down stage four cancer, you know, and fighting for his life. Talk about getting the crowd on their feet for a guy, right? Right. Oh, yeah. It's incredible uh, to have seen that and witnessed that and 
how you guys produce this every year just seems to up the ante. I'm really, really proud to be a part of it and see what's going on. The slideshow before mm. uh, they took the ice was pretty impactful too. Yeah. It's hard after that to not be cheering for both sides oh, of absolutely. this tournament. Right? Well, and yeah, I agree. Because, I mean, we even just watched the game, Dano. And it was so back and forth between Cobra Kai and the... Oh, the, the, the little chickens the little or chicken, chicken, thunder, chicken, thunder, thunder chickens. Who won that game, by the way? Uh, the thunder chickens. Thunder chickens won? That, oh. the, that chicken tendy. <coughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Right? Wow, he the chicken was, tendy. He was not getting put out to pasture. Yeah, he yeah. was doing his part. That's oh awesome. God. Let me tell you, uh, you know, again, the stories just keep coming, right? You could oh, probably yeah. name any team, and I could tell you a story. So thunder chickens. Thunder chickens lost one of their teammates. Uh, just uh, this winter, wow. young man Jordan Illion was having some heart issues, and uh, thought, you know what? I just don't feel right. But I mean, he's a young guy, you know, like 30. Can't remember how old he is, but like 30 something, young, and just got married, no kids, and so he goes to work the next day, and he's not feeling quite right. So he literally calls his doctor. He has an appointment that afternoon with his doctor. And he fell, fell dead on the job from a heart attack. Oh, man. And so, you know, the, that team was just reeling. And the captain of the Thunder Chickens called us. And I still remember his voice trembling when he left us a voicemail. And, you know, he nominated his friend to the foundation in the midst of his grief. And, and then another team. Um, that we didn't, uh, I didn't know that Jordan played on this other team, but he usually plays on the Thunder Chickens for the dog bowl. Plays on another team called the Whalers okay. out of the promenade. And so uh, we got involved with the Whalers and we said, we're, you know, my, our board approved Jordan as a recipient. And uh, we got involved with the Whalers and the Thunder Chickens. We did a great celebration of life and hung Jordan's jersey up in the rafters at the promenade. His mom walked it up the ladder and uh, hung the jersey in the rafter. And we gave the, uh, his surviving widow you know, a nice check and just celebrated Jordan that night. The team went out and won the game. Well, then Josh Thal, the captain of the Thunder Chickens, steps up and says, you know what? These guys belong at the Dog Bowl. I'm paying for them to join the Dog Bowl. I've got their $1,200. You guys are in. And so that's the Thunder Chicken. So to hear that they won the Dog Bowl, wow, right? Yeah. That's, that's that's pretty amazing. That's as it should be. And I love Cobra Kai. Those are, those, yeah. I love those guys. But that that makes the story complete. It does. Uh, and and if I mean another complete story that I love of this Dog Bowl is how last year we had Tony Coza mm -hmm. getting a nice check for a debilitating injury that we thought was going to keep him down and out for a long time. We thought he was going to lose his leg there for right. a long time. Yes, it was pretty likely. And for him to not only play in this year's Survivor game, but also to um, see the support of his other team, Tony's Ponies, right. was pretty amazing. I got to play on that team this year. Oh, you did? Okay, And that's I got right. to see the effect that they, you know, these guys were all just... 
there to support Tony. We got him behind the bench to coach us for a couple of the games too. It just made our experience at this dog bowl so not about winning and so about appreciating the moments that we have out on the ice. No doubt and, about it. And to see Tony not only rehab so well, but to be part of the survivor game and be a goalie in it, um, and also playing on another team this year. Right. I'm just so inspired by so many of these stories that happen all this weekend. So, and what, which you probably didn't see because you've been inside the rink uh, working here, is Tony and his wife Jenna are out there volunteering. Yeah, working she's the, pouring working beer. The, yeah, working he's the beer doing tank. clocks. He's doing clocks. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and they're and just part of the Dog Nation yeah. family, right? Just giving back now. Well, and I know that I brought a few like family members and friends and stuff here, and they just couldn't get over the feeling as soon as they walked in the door once again. Oh, just right? the acceptance, the inclusivity of everybody. Like, everybody's a family that comes here, and then you hear everybody's stories on how they got here. Right. And it's just, wow. Yeah. It sends good, like, weird, good, like, chills yeah. down your spine. Like, it's that happy, like, just like feeling that you yeah. get and it's just amazing to hear all these stories and just see everything come to fruition again this year and you guys just doing it big yeah you know and they just they creep up on you and they catch you off guard from time to time right where it's like I can't believe that connection just happened so I think it was Thursday night our first check presentation was to a young man named Tyler Frank right Tyler Frank was uh uh you know, went to bed with his wife and young, again, a young father man, of father of three. three kids, 12, 5, and 3 in terms of their age, right? And, uh, you know, his wife passes away in her sleep and she has a heart, heart attack in her sleep and she doesn't wake up. And this poor kid's life and their family's forever changed. And uh, we had the pleasure of uh, rallying some, you know, some funds for him and presenting him with a check. And more importantly, again, it's that wrapping your arms around him as a community and saying, "Hey, we, we got you, we got you, right?" Mm -hmm. And so, and to say, keep doing the good work you're doing with, with, um, with, you know, there's joy in his kid's life, and he was. You know, he was surrounded by, you know, really good people that are helping him rebuild after he loses his wife, the mother of his three children. And what was crazy is afterwards I was telling him, listen, I used to be a school principal. I used to be a community superintendent. Daniel, you had just walked up to him and said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And and thank you for doing that because that really matters to our recipients, you know, after we give them a check. And um, to have people come up and just connect with them. But what he and I figured out standing there is I was sharing with him my experience. And I said, listen, if you need mental health resources, I can help direct you to that, right, with my experience. And make sure your kids are getting what they need at school or, you know, and they're, you know like making sure they can keep going. And... Uh, he goes, really, where were you a principal? I said, oh, right here in Littleton, Powderhorn Elementary. He goes, no way. You're Mr. Freeman? I work for you. Oh, my gosh. He said, I was the facility manager, and my facility manager was a great guy. His name was Steve Estrada, and I don't know what happened. He went down a dark hole and ended up killing himself. And so this kid, Tyler Frank, 
stepped in in this little interim when my staff was grieving and worked at my building supporting our staff and school while we were grieving the loss of this family member of our school. And I started crying. I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe how that yeah. connection happened. And the connection to uh, It's Okay Not To Be Okay. It's right. called Hope For The Day. It's mm -hmm. a mental health um, uh, nonprofit that flew out here to be with us from Chicago. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, we want to put stuff in your player bags. We want to do a booth. And, uh, and so, you know, to have that connection, you know, in terms of the mental health and then, you know, thinking about Steve killing himself and how do we prevent that, right? Mm -hmm. How do we make sure that we're working together as a community to make sure that doesn't happen, you know? So that was just, again, just the crazy connections that are coming out of, you know, doing the good work that we're all doing. Oh, yeah. I, I just encourage everyone to come to a dog bowl because your story is a good example of what will happen when you're around a couple hundred people that care so much about other people and when you start having conversations with other people magic happens it's really incredible how tight this community is and how little degrees of separation exist between us and all of a sudden people are rallying helping each other out like we we have a good buddy who was on a previous episode drew garza blind hockey player needs funds for a tournament to showcase blind hockey in chicago and when he's a little short, we call up Dog Nation and they step in and money raised from this tournament is funding his tournament next month. Yeah, It's just like unbelievable to me how much work that you guys do in this community and it's not just in the Colorado community anymore. Right. You guys are really transcending the state boundaries and really giving back in many ways. I'm wearing a jersey right now from a nonprofit in uh, San Jose, and I got the opportunity to purchase this jersey through talking to Heather Hooper, who leads the Teal for Change Council for the San Jose Sharks, which is their version of a diversity and inclusion council. And the only reason I got to talk to her and get to the stage of influencing maybe some of the way these funds are appropriated is because I got to tell them that I am peripherally affiliated with Dog Nation Hockey Foundation. Mm. And she goes, oh, I've heard of you guys. Okay. And all of a sudden, those that doorway is opened. Right. Right? Yep. So it's incredible work that you guys are doing. I'm so grateful for it. And, um, yeah, it's you know, an, just thank you honor, so right? much. Yeah, thank you. We feel that way about On the Bench with Peaks. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's great work, man. And, and it, it's an honor, right, to be able to say, mm -hmm. hey, um, I'm with Dog Nation Hockey Foundation. Right? And people, to your point, go, oh, yeah, I have heard of you guys, and you guys help so-and-so, or, you know, somebody that they know in some way or some shape or form, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I uh, just an incredible weekend, guys. I mean, I'm just blown away by, you know, the, you know, the generosity of our captains, mm -hmm. the generosity of our players, the generosity of our sponsors. Yes. So the Survivor game was just incredible yesterday. You know, the, you know, the emotion that the crowd poured out and showered our survivors with just was inspiring and then to think about you know kind of um, 
you know, our sponsors, you know, our Survivor Game sponsor was there, Jason Stenseth and his wife, Lindsay, with Rocks Heating and Air. And he said, Mike, don't ever give my uh, Survivor Game sponsorship to anybody else. I don't care if you double it. I don't care if it cost of inflation. You have to check with me before you ever give that sponsorship to someone else, you know, because he was just so inspired by it, right? So, you know, that's, and that's how we do what we do with our captains, our sponsors, our players, people, you know, it's just, it's crazy how many pieces come together, right, to make it all happen. And it, go ahead. It, no, it's fine. But it's just, you're saying all these pieces, and... You know, it's. You, I'm looking around. There's all sorts of sponsors. I never. I'm pretty sure you never imagined oh, that man. it would be this huge. I mean, you've got I'm, Saunders. You've yeah. got all these huge companies. That God, you talk to some of the higher ups because I'm with Encore Electric. Yeah. And you talk to some of these guys from like Long Industries and stuff like right. that. They are all about this. Right. They, like they hear, they heard about it from word of mouth. They come here. They see what you guys are about, and I just love that too. That yeah. You guys have actually brought out businesses in the Colorado community and probably other places as well. Now, because yeah. I mean, you're going from Humboldt to, to Canada to St. Louis. St. Louis. Did you guys get to meet Johnny or? Oh, oh we had him on the pod. Oh, oh pod. sweet man. Yeah, and he's, he's a great amazing guy. What an amazing positive human attitude being. times human ten, being. man. Yeah. Wow. I mean, just talk about someone you can fall in love with in about two seconds, yep. right? Oh, yeah. Humble, 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 so kind, so gentle. That synergy was instant. Yeah. And that's like with talking with right. anybody here. And yeah. it's just amazing, as we have all said, just hearing their stories, just, you know, uh, telling people about, oh, who's that guy? Oh, this happened to him. This yeah. happened to her. And this, if, you, if you haven't seen... Johnny O's story and you're listening to this podcast, go to Dog Nation Hockey Foundation and just, you know, go in the search thing and hit Johnny O, no H, and Johnny. And his story, there's a story in a video on him that, much like Brandon lied, mm-hmm. where just a beautiful piece produced about, you know, his tournament that we did out there. Yeah. And just all the love and compassion flowing out of St. Louis, right? Which mm-hmm. again tells me, you know, part of our Part of our role, I think, is Dog Nation Hockey Foundation. We're just kind of funneling the good will of people, right? We're just helping people do the good thing that they want to do, whether it's sponsor, whether it's, you know, kind of put money in the hat, whether it's they're donating a barbecue, they're donating items to a silent auction. Most people look at our recipients and their situations and go, how do I help, right? I just want to help. And, and we're like, okay, we can help you do that, right? So we have the structure and the organization to go, we can help you make a difference immediately in somebody's life that you love, or maybe you just heard about their situation, you want to do something about it. We have the organization to, to plug you in, mm-hmm. and then you're going to see, you know, within weeks, your money at work, right? You're going to see it impacting that person right there in front of you and that's where I think it gets really powerful where people go thank you for letting me be a part of this thank you for letting me write you a check for ten thousand dollars for a sponsorship because you know that's I see my I see my generosity um, paying off tenfold in this person's life 
Oh yeah, and that's worth weight. That weight in gold. Right. To yeah. All these people right. that are involved or are the survivors. Absolutely. The yep. I mean, even the people that have yeah donate their time. Uh, Organs, I know. Right. I mean, organs. Just, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah. it's just true nuts. story. I mean, I mean yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I, I know you guys got to run. Yep. I just want to say the other thing that's really amazing about this foundation is, aside from the actual money that's donated that makes an impact immediately, you you impact people's lives like me and Ross and now there's little Rosses and Dans going out there trying to promote Dog Nation trying to do what they can in their communities and it's a transcending effect that you're having you're changing not only the people's lives of the recipients but you're changing myself to become a better person to want to give back in my community so thank you for all that you're doing well, yeah. and I, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Um, and I, mean, I, I know I was in a dark area in my life right around when I met you guys and was kind of seeing what was going on with this, and it's just brought a And honestly, you think about it like, and I thank you. I accept that, and and that, that I appreciate those words because it it inspires you to keep working right yeah. around the clock. Marty and I know have been working till two in the morning and getting up at six and doing it again probably for the last ten days. Right, just mm-hmm. getting ready for the tournament, running the tournament, and then cleaning up for the tournament will be even more. But the point is, you do that because you see the impact on the recipients, and then what happens is what has happened with you guys is you look at a Cody Beekman as a recipient and you go, Okay, thank you for inspiring us. Because, same thing I said to the survivor crowd yesterday, people often say thank you, right. And really, what I say back to our recipients is, thank you, because you inspire all of us to be better people, to, to be more appreciative of our health, of you know the things that matter in life, and to just to, to keep going, to do more, to impact more lives, right? And oh, so, yeah. and I'm inspired by you guys. I said this last time I was on your show is, every time I talk to people about On the Bench with Beaks, I talk about, have you seen how his friends love him? Right? Have you seen how his friends take care of him when he needs a cigarette? Not that he should be smoking, but when he <laughs> needs a cigarette, you guys put it in his mouth and you light it for him. He <laughs> needs a, That's true. All right. He needs a drink. You pour it for him and you put the straw to his mouth, right? He needs to go to the bathroom. You take him to the bathroom. He needs a ride. You pick him up. Right? He I mean, wants to go to a show. Yes. That's, that's love, man. That's, I mean, when you think about marriage, right? For better or for worse. Those are hard words to live by. And you guys are living that out every day with your friend Cody. And it, that's inspiring. So I walk away from you guys every time going, you know, those guys those guys are what love is about. So thank you guys. Thanks for Thanks, having Mike. me on. Thank you. thank you for supporting the Dog Bowl. And you never have to ask if you can be at the Dog Bowl. You just got to gotta show, show up. up. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you again, Smalls. I'm yep. sure we'll be looking at your ugly mug here in exactly. the next few hours. Exactly. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. Yep. Love you guys. And that wraps up the coverage from Dog Bowl 11. We want to say thank you so much to Dog Nation Hockey Foundation for throwing this incredible tournament every year. Without you guys, we wouldn't be here. So many other people wouldn't be around and still kicking and having fun and playing hockey. 
So thank you so much to that for that. Thank you to My Beer Nation. Thank you to all of On the Bench with Beaks monthly supporters, Vivian Smith, Nicole Vale, and Todd Sawatsky. And remember, you can find On the Bench with Beaks on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can stream OTBWB on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, CastBox, Podbean, Breaker, Verbal, and Pocket Casts. So until next time, V Horsh. Try the damn thing, see what happens.